Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadway Podcast Network presents Giants in the Sky, How Sondheim and Lapine Went into the Woods, with me, Ben Rimmelauer. Today's guest, Steve Sacklad, assistant to the set designer. Once upon a time. Steve Sacklad was an assistant to set designer Tony Strages on the original Broadway production of Into the Woods. He also assisted the set designers on several other Broadway shows, including The Phantom of the Opera, La Cage Full, Starlight Express, Legs Diamond, and Brighton Beach Memoirs. He later went on to a very successful career as the production designer responsible for such films as the 2011 musical reboot of The Muppets, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, Juno, Up in the Air, Drag Me to Hell, 22 Jump Street, and Chippendale Rescue Rangers, to name but a few. He studied at the Yale School of Drama. My... Connection to Into the Woods was short-lived, as you know. Um, I was just sort of a hired gun, um, come in to get the draftings ready for the final bids. So uh, they had already done the show in La Jolla, I believe, and uh, they had modified the design for Broadway. And Tony Strages was out in his, you know, one-room studio slash apartment in Brooklyn, um, and the process is he and his assistants would be building these beautiful model pieces. And then just before the show goes to bid for, um, you know, all the different production houses to bid on on building the show, uh, the sort of definitive draftings have to be created. And usually they're done in, in a great hurry. And there's a flurry of hiring more guys, more folks to um, draft what has already been completed as a model piece. So I came in and uh, worked um, just two weeks, as I recall. Um, I guess it would have been in 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 '86, and um, there were a few pieces that were finished model bits that I was going to just commit to draftings that were, you know, half inch to the foot or three quarters to the inch to the foot uh, detailed drawings of finished pieces, and then there was one unit which had yet to be designed. And that was Rapunzel's Tower, which was great fun. Um, Tony had stacks and stacks of research books. Um, you know, this is back in the mid 80s. So there was no, of course, there's no internet, but there was no real tear sheets the way we would do collages of research now. So um, 
like every show, we had stacks and stacks of research books taken out from the public library um, or out of Tony's own collection, uh, all uh, page marked. Uh, this, I think, predated post-its even. So, you know, there'd be slub cards set into, uh, you know, 80 different pages in a given book. Um, but he had these, these fantastic images of French chateau. And we sort of culled from those his favorite bits. And he had done a very quick, croaky kind of sketch of what he wanted, uh, but he had this great idea for the tower to be in three cylinders that segmented and would telescope one into the other into the other so that the tower could actually grow from the deck upward into the sky. And out of the topmost tower section, there was a little Gothic window where you saw Rapunzel who was singing her, her sort of plaintive Sondheim, you know, melody that was the sort of um, oral spine of, of Into the Woods. And uh, so we, 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 we scribbled together for a little bit and then I started drafting and ended up, that was, that was what I spent most of my time doing there uh, and uh, a little give and take, a little back and forth. And we got the draftings uh, um, to a point where then model makers could go uh, take what I had done and turn it into a model for the uh, for the final show and tell, um, uh, I gotta say I I'm terrible at model making. I I I tried, but it, I knew this was not my strong suit. But I'm really I was really quick at drafting and um, had an eye for doing sort of um, dimensional stuff, um, sculptural stuff, really well. Um, uh, I'm quick on my feet with a drafting pencil and. Um, uh, sort of love doing organic shapes and shapes that are not necessarily done with a straight, straight edge and a, and a you know the parallel rule, but uh, um, this this tower piece was wonderful for that. And there was Tony had a great idea for this beautiful Gothic tracery built into the stonework um, and a kind of parapet uh, that was true sort of 15th century chateau uh, design. Um, and we got all of those bits into, you know, this one single uh, a tower. Um, and then there was the uh, physical need for the witch to climb up the tower to reach her in the castle uh, window. So also one of the layers of the drafting was the metal framework of ivy that sort of spiraled around um, the, the castle tower pieces that allowed it to be climbable. Um, which was its own drafting piece, but uh, uh, I remember I remember seeing the model come together as I'd moved on to draft other things, and uh, uh, to see the model sort of make it flesh, and and there was sort of a rotating piece that rotated around to present the um, the ivy um, lattice work. Uh, it was pretty great to see, and of course Tony hand painted all of the models himself. Uh, he he was very much about the um, the tangible um, sculpting of these pieces and and then the painting of them was a sort of very unique um, stippled technique that that was Tony's own. Um, I'll back up for a second. I had met Tony Strages, oh, what was it, eight or nine years earlier. He was a graduate of, of Yale Drama School. I was a first year student at Yale Drama School and he'd come back to design beautiful set for Tales of the Vienna Woods which is this very abstract piece with birch trees arcing across the stage and, and uh, this sort of white on white sculptural 
shutters, cityscape with pieces that moved. And uh, he had us uh, build up the textures on this on these sculptural architectural pieces and then overglaze them with with radiant tones and then overglaze that with white so that it was a white set with this gorgeous shimmery undertones. And when um, you know, the lighting designer washed it with blues or greens or oranges, the, all those colors came out. Um, and he was doing something similar painting-wise on these set pieces that seemed to be one color, but the technique for getting them to that one color was a sort of wonderful uh, undercoat of, of radiance and then a sort of more neutral tone glazed on top of it all. So I could watch Tony hand painting that and he was um, um, uh, he was a great teacher. He would share what he was doing and he would share what we should, how we should sort of work our way into uh, his vision. And so seven years, eight years later, um, uh, it wasn't from zero when I first met Tony Strages. We had a little bit of a working knowledge of each other. Um, and by this point, I was I was sort of an accomplished draftsman in 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 Broadway. And uh, in fact, I think right after I finished the couple of weeks at Into the Woods, I went on and drafted for a couple of weeks on Phantom of the Opera, the other <laughs> giant show that was <laughs> sort of going to bid at the same time. And um, uh, I at that point I was I was uh, wrangling. Uh, um, I was the first assistant on some shows. Um, my my uh, pride of place was uh, um, I'd been the first assistant on La Caja Fall back in eighty two eighty three. Uh, done a whole bunch of David Mitchell shows after that, and uh, the last David Mitchell show I think was in eighty nine, which was the um, super famous Legs Diamond fiasco. Oh, Peter Allen. Yes, but I spent seven or eight months on uh, as the first assistant on that show trying to make that thing work. Um, <laughs> but uh, these jobs for 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 Phantom of the Opera, Tony for Into the Woods were uh, just bread and butter, um, and I was one of several people who were in just just to get these draftings finished. I know I I know I drafted on um, the uh, Cinderella stepsisters. Uh, the cat, the uh, carriage that would carry them to the mm. ball, uh, the little horses and this beautiful kind of skeletal um, carriage, uh, true 18th century carriage, but sort of simplified into this into this elegant set piece. So I drafted that piece, uh, and then I drafted a few of these surreal alien kind of plant life pieces that Tony designed as foreground. There were these four or five foot tall, uh, sort of giant bulb shapes on stems with long leaves um, that uh, um, it just made sort of a ground row in effect mm. certain ones of his forest look. Uh, but those were finished model pieces already and I was simply recording them into, you know, a, a, a piece of drafting that the set shops could measure and and uh, bid on and, and then build from. Okay, that's fascinating. You've given me so many more questions. I just, okay, just randomly, it's something detailed just because it peaked. I don't want to forget it. I'm, I'm not, this might be a dumb question, but you weren't doing that undertone layering color on the model though, right? That was just what would be done on the actual set piece. Um, that was, I'm I'm flashing back to the tales from the, of the Vienna Woods set that I, yeah. when I was painting for Tony at Yale, um, he did do, uh, uh, there was definitely a, a sense when he was painting the model of Into the Woods, um, similarly to what he had done on 
Sunny in the Park, where there was a sort of stippled color put on the piece. Um, it was sealed, and then there was an overglaze wow. to, to the local color that it was the final look. Because um, it, it was such a it was a set that was um, it was so not a not, not a specific world. It was mm -hmm. almost abstract sculpture that set the, that sort of the laciness of the of the the profiles that became that sort of tree uh, silhouette panels um, mm -hmm. of of tree silhouettes and uh, the decking that was it was all a kind of sculpture that could be anywhere but it wasn't even real it wasn't green it wasn't verdant it wasn't uh, soft in the way you think of a woods it was it was this very brittle sculptural piece so i think he was painting it more like a piece of fine art than anything you know that was to resemble real greenery mm. Um, and then I'm so interested that you said a 15th century chateau as a sort of inspiration for Rapunzel's tower. And then you, mm -hmm. I noticed you specifically said an 18th century um, carriage. Yeah, uh, the car it's it's true. I think they were very deliberate. They certainly were with the wardrobe uh, to keep this timeless, to keep this not locked into one exact year in in you know all of uh, the history of fairy tales. I think they wanted to be emerging of things. And I think in the in the costumes, you know, Van Ward and Pat Ziprat, you see that really well because there's so much uh, pulling from Bruegel and pulling from uh, um, earlier, uh, um, um, uh, the what is it? The Book of Hours, this great 14th century tapestry uh, mm. or illuminated manuscript um, that has these beautiful um, images of, of, of medieval life. I think they had a range that they were using. Certainly the 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 gowns with their petticoats and panniers and stuff was more 18th century than medieval. And I think uh I think it's it was deliberate that they were they were they were when they did those those houses, they were kind of those half-timbered uh draftings of the houses that opened the show. Um it was something that could have been true for any of three different centuries. Interesting. My brain was going, oh, well, Rapunzel was living in a 300-year-old tower. And <laughs> well, that works too, was brand new. Um, well, because uh, the witch is supposedly hundreds of years old. I mean, right. there's some backstory of the witch that they never really spell out, but but yeah. I feel like, yeah, she's kind of a vampire character. Right. And then, okay, so then speaking of the witch, so you're saying that the ivy that goes around Rapunzel's tower was actually made of metal and that that served as like rungs that she could like she climb, climb on up. to get up. Yeah. Um, and, and there was, I can't even remember if it was just profiles in, in rigid material or if it, it was soft felt, there was a greenery sort of a leaf design with that metal work. But I remember, I'm, I mean, cause they had to build it in, in a metal, metal sort of way. So it was very much its own layered drafting. That was a separate page from the drafting that showed the, the, the styrofoam carving. Um, I mean, the stone face of the tower and that sort of detail, quatrefoil, um, um, uh, the, the, the specific chateau imagery that was put into that, that was all uh, carved in styrofoam or um, bead foam and then hard coated. But then on, on top of the stone face was this metal layer that was the climbing surface for, for um, the stunt stuff. And was that like a precarious climb or was it made in a way that was more like a stepladder that would have been kind I'm of- I'm trying to know? remember. No, it was organic. It was just, it was organic vines that we drew, that I drew um, to get up to as far as she was, as far as the window was. Um, 
uh, I'm sort of reaching back into my, unfortunately, I have no rec no images of any of my draftings. <laughs> um, however, just on my last trip to New York, we stayed at C the Civilian, this wonderful hotel. Oh yeah, sure, in Hell's Kitchen, you know, yeah. Full of these magnificent models and, and set designs and stuff. And in one of the little dis display boxes is in fact the model piece from the original 1987 Into the Woods design. Of oh the my God. So the tower piece is there, you know, it's paper model, but it's painted. And um, um, so the first time in, what is it now? 35 years, 38 yeah. years thing, since I drew on it, that that I suddenly was able to see it again. I mean, I could watch the, uh, you know, the 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 video uh, recording of the '87 production, but um, yeah. So 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 uh, um, there was definitely this organic IV thing that that we drew, and it must have been drawn in segments because the um, the tower collapsed in three seconds. Yeah. And what was the um the inside like i mean what what, what... No... oh i don't remember an inside uh, or was it... she was it just like a flat that she got behind to be in it that was around, it was no it was a round cylinder they you know it was probably uh four or five feet diameter at the base and it stepped down narrower um and it came out of a trap in the floor uh and and she she was seen i guess there must have been an access ladder up the middle um yeah a zone but uh, she was seen perched with her arms on the windowsill yeah. of the like, window in the topmost zone, in the topmost chunk. Um, and I don't think there ever was an interior. I'm trying to think if it rotated. Like, a, was there a ledge for her to stand on up there, other than a ladder, or you know? Yeah, there must <laughs> there must have been this. I have no recollection. <laughs> um, um, yeah, in fact, there could have been a whole floor because that segment was the smallest, mm. um, um, as I recall the 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 top section is the smallest but atop the top section was this very wide parapet that's mm. cornice for the whole thing and uh that stuck that dropped down into the second level which dropped down into the first level i think they had a limitation of just how deep into the um below stage space that could go um where was that the martin beck yeah and the uh i think that was the limitation and usually the sub stage is where all the trap the trap room is for all the winches and all the winch cables yeah. the decks so um uh in all likelihood there was a limitation they already knew that the whole stack all stacked up could only be whatever six feet six feet tall and then that would leave enough room for the can't the um uh hydraulics below it uh, before you hit the the ground of the trap room um and, and I think I think the trap was covered up by you know there was this big swinging deck piece yes. sort of that that sort of pivoted from side to side when you're in the woods and I think that 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 deck piece covered up the trap for most of the show um, and swung swung right when we wanted to expose the trap that out of which the tower could come and I think it only made two two appearances in the whole show or something yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a moment, but it was not like a mate. It didn't last, you know, that that many minutes of stage of playing time. But it makes an impression. Um, exactly. And I mean, was there a sense? Uh, when it, spun, it rotated as yes. it came. That's right. Yeah. So it was a rot. It was a turntable uh, and hydraulics all together. And was there a sense with any of this that it was sort of like cutting edge or kind of? Uh, uh, 
anything kind of groundbreaking. I know that like with other design elements, like some of the um, materials that um, Anne Hold Ward was talking about to be like the witch's fur, it was like kind of the beginning that she later used a lot in like Beauty and the Beast and, you know, that it's kind of become the standard of how that's all done, but it was kind of new then. That, that um, it's funny, the, um, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I, I can only speak about it from uh, a spectator seeing the show on yeah. stage from having participated, you know, at Tony's studio for those two weeks. Um, there was, uh, um, there was a sense that the show had not worked in, in La Jolla. I know that there was sort of, uh, there was no sense that it was going to be a hit in New York either. Um, I think uh, they were excited because uh, Bernadette Peters was there, who had not been there in, in La Jolla. And um, I, I know that they'd rewritten things. But um, remember, um, Sunny in the Park was, was uh, you know, critical success, but it was so not a, 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 a you know, a, phys- a monetary success at all. And, and um Coming out of it, there was still half of the people who went said, why did they have a second act of mm-hmm. Sunday? And now you're coming to Into the Woods, which again has a false ending at the end of act one, and then a whole second act where everything you thought you knew falls apart. So it was not in any way a surefire. Um, it was it was a risk. Um, and I think Tony, um, because he was, he started the show with a very conventional, you know, um, uh, you know the etched etching of the image of the 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 houses and the the Cinderella's castle uh, the um the beginning the beginning of the three images uh on the on that drop curtain um and then the built pieces so it started out very conventionally but as soon as it got to the woods tony was playing with uh, um toys that had very little to do with telling you where you were or scenery that you could sort of fall in love with it was very aggressive there was a definite arthur rackham sense of danger um the 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 woods were full of spikes and thistles and thorns and stuff um so it was a very kind of um uneasy to love unromantic idea of 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 where we were going to live for this show and then it had that wonderful um finale of act one with the giant brocade um, sort of wedding wedding dress kind of feel to it and um, the false, you know, happy ending. Um, but all of Act Two is even more aggressively difficult and the how to present the, the giant was difficult. And um, I think, I think, uh, I don't think anybody had a confidence that the tone was this thing and that they had all nailed it. I think everybody was trying, um, gambling, they were gambling with their visual choices. They're gambling with uh, the the tone swings, um, and all of this. When I was there, it would have been after they'd already um, um, gotten basically the design approved uh, with James Pine, and um, going to bid would have meant uh, there would be usually about eight weeks or so before the um, before the show would would open or the show would start teching on stage. So. Um, it was before rehearsals had started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was no sense of, oh my gosh, these great new songs are landing the mm-hmm. middle of that too that we didn't know how they'd be. So none of that existed yet. It was only the La Jolla memory and, and you know, things that were being signed up, but they hadn't seen them in rehearsal yet. Interesting. Um, 
That's interesting, especially because just today of all days, I um, happened to talk with um, Jacqueline Dankworth, who um, she's a jazz singer and actress. She was Cinderella in the London production oh. of Into the Woods, but her mother was Cleo is Cleo Lane, oh, who wow. was a witch in the national right. tour. Yeah. And um, Jacqueline said that when Cleo came to see her as Cinderella in that London production, she said, oh, it's not as romantic and beautiful as it was <laughs> in James Lapine's production. Ah, um, so oh, it got I, even more hard-edged. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wonder which production that was. In, in, I was know Richard they, Jones directed it. It was, it was the Regent Park production. This was way, way before that. Before that. This is oh, like yeah. 1990. Oh, got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, the well, Regent then, Park production was cool too. It was. That was a gorgeous set. I thought that was that that found something, a way to do it that was sort of uh it was I thought that was a superb design. Um I did you see the revival, the, yeah. the storybook revival? I thought that went in exactly the opposite direction because totally. that's went Disney and I was like, wow, if anything, this is so not Disney. Yeah. And I, I think that was uh Doug Schmidt. I, I mean I love Doug Schmidt's design. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I guess Lapine wanted to try something very sure. different after having done it already. Right. Yeah. And I mean, so for me, too, the very first time I saw any of this together or heard any of the music was when we actually when I paid money to, you know, sit in the audience for a preview. They didn't even give you a comp. <laughs> no, didn't get a comp. Um, I wasn't there long enough. The 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 uh, you know, I'm not listed in on I'm. IBDB. I'm not. I wasn't in the program or anything. You were uh, in the playbill. That's how I found you. Oh, really? Yeah, I was in the playbill. Okay, yeah. so then I misspoke. Well, that's nice. But yeah, you know, free ticket. Um, um, and and it's funny because I was a huge fan of Sunday. Um, you know, I'd seen this. I'd seen Sondheim shows since the original uh, um, uh, Little Night Music. Wow. Because today's um, Glennis Glennis John's hundredth birthday. That's right. Happy birthday, Glennis John's. To sing all the tributes but but so so my whole career i was dying to actually work more than two weeks on a sign <laughs> of course never happened um but uh that was the closest i got <laughs> well listen he he's gone but there'll be many more productions of his shows um sure. it's funny that you bring up little night music because in in some ways these are two shows that could be done on the same set they could be. That's so interesting. And there's also this sense of both of them being, um, um, you think where you know where you are at the end of Act One, and then you sort of get lost in the haze in Act Two. Yeah. And in a way, you kind of feel like they're both a kind of maze, mm -hmm. and 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 you're in a place that you doesn't have an entrance or an exit until you get to the very end. Um, oh, that'd be interesting that to see those in in um, repertory. That yeah, would be I'm in. Yeah, how do we make this happen? Um, <laughs> you can design them. And we're uh, the same cast. Yeah, I, that could work, right? Writers. Yeah. Right. All right, well, I'll, I'll have to start fantasizing about who to double cast from these Man, two I shows. love that. That'd be great. That'd um, be great. That, uh, ha have you, um, oh, there was another set thing I wanted to ask you about, though. Um, the, uh, uh, oh God, it went out of my. I should have written it down. I knew. Oh. I knew. I, 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 I was getting. <laughs> did you see the? Did you see the concert production? The the at the, encores. Yeah. Well, I didn't see it with the original cast. I saw it with sort of the second cast on yeah. Broadway. Proper. Um, not to misspeak, you know, ill speak a, a production that everybody was raving about, but I did not understand what what 
the excitement with that one was, except for the cow, which was Milky White was brilliant. But yes, um, I like the people, but I was like, but they're all just standing in a row in front of a bunch of three steps in an orchestra. So I, I was not, I wasn't, I wasn't on the wavelength that everybody else was when they said, this is the one everybody should see. Interesting. I mean, I think people really have such fondness for the material and um, we've had such interesting productions. I mean, after that James Lapine uh, storybook, as you put it, revival in 2002, Mm -hmm. um, there was the the Regent's Park one that came to Central Park, um, you know, um, at the Delacorte. And then there was the Springs. Yeah, the the Fiasco Theater. I only saw pictures of it. It was brilliant, brilliant design. Very interesting and cool and weird. So I think maybe people appreciated just in this case, experiencing it you know just the material with almost no almost no production really um and um and seeing all the great performers that were in it but um are why are there other approaches into the woods that you would like to try or see (laughs) haven't uh, happened yet um it's funny because the arthur rackham idea the really deep into the woodcuts is something that I mean, in a way, Tony Tony Strages has said jumped off of the woodcut idea into something abstract. But the idea of really going into a deep, layered, almost um, wing and drop and 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 sort of uh, um, netted old school uh, scenic painting with with a woodcut visual of a, of a woods, I think, is something that would be really interesting to do. What you what know, is a woodcut? visual mean uh, Arthur Rackham was the illustrator from uh, these 1880s 1890s Grimm's fairy tales mm. um and his uh he drew like Durer he drew mm. even though he was draw- drawing with ink and pen he drew like those lithographic uh, etchings of the 15th 16th 17th century and the idea of really going deep into that um cross-hatched etching world um, maybe even black and white with barely any color, but that idea of it being uh, um, illustrative, almost like we think of as as um, uh, scene painted sets, but um, in a really hard edged uh, um, um, engraving style would be something I'd love to see. Fascinating. And it would let the people stand forward because, of course, they're in full color. But but the idea of, of 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 woodcut drawings of the forest and woodcut drawings of the of the uh, of the houses and the castle and the locations and stuff. Arthur Rackham um, did also Alice in Wonderland, famously. Yeah. Is that yeah. a touchstone? Uh, that could be. I'm picturing I'm picturing pictures of him drawing rabbits in the woods and stuff. Um, maybe it's later, 1900 or so. Um, but but. Uh, I know that I know that his was a jump, one of the jumping off points for what Tony ended up doing. Yeah, but to go even further back into that into that um, woodcut illustration thing. It's uh, is there anything else? I mean, it's just so interesting to hear the design for Into the Woods talked about from a designer's perspective. You know, <laughs> things that that we as like fans um, might have you know experienced without necessarily understanding anything else that you thought was cool or interesting you want to point out um well it's funny you mentioned the connection to uh uh little night music because the one brilliant thing uh, among many that boris aronson set did was mm-hmm. it played it did the slate of hand beautifully where uh, you'd have um these 
panels of birch trees painted on Lexan uh, going by, but the lower six feet of those panels was opaque. It was leaves and grasses and stuff, uh, which you don't really realize, so that as they move across on the stage, you could tuck a couple of actors behind one, and as it kept moving, it would reveal two people talking, or mm. it would reveal some furniture, or it would wipe in front of a chaise long, and as it kept moving, the chaise long would disappear along with it, because the bottom was opaque. Wow. Tony did things similar to that in Into the Woods because he had these series of profile panels that, that slid to sort of make wipes from scene to scene, exactly like Boris Aronson's panels. Um, and so uh, uh, there was this sense that um, magic could happen instantly because anything could appear or disappear because of these, mm. these panels. And I love that I, I hadn't really thought of the connection until you just mentioned what a great repertory season that could be. <laughs> oh, how similarly um, that idea of making magic happen with the wiping of, of those panels um, mm. that works in both things. I always, I never quite understood why Tony did the decking that he did, that one big hill and, yeah. and which was kind of, um, uh, it blocked a lot of action. It was, it was an odd deck, deck solution. Um, and, um, uh, I, I, you know, had I thought to ask him, why are you doing this? It would have been a good conversation piece right now. Um, but then when you saw something like the Regent Park version that had staircases and platforms and walkways and spirals and, you know, ad infinitum, and you sort of saw, oh, how thrilling to sort of be off the ground into the the canopy of the trees and the, the you know, anywhere you wanted to go, you could go. Um, it, that was sort of sort of a, a brilliant explosion of what what the staging could be like, and I think there was a bit of an earthboundness um, by having those deck solutions the way they were. Uh, um, as I think about it, it's funny because for a, a millisecond, I'm a I'm a production designer in movies. That's that's the career I've ended up with, and for a millisecond, I fantasized about trying to go out for the film of Into the Woods, of course. Mm who's a good designer wants to um and and so i was starting to think of how to get how to put in real terms the showbiz of the songs some of those songs like the wolf has and 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 uh um baker and his wife have are real showbiz vaudeville sort of numbers and the thought of how to how to stage um a thing on the rocks going across a brook or something in a in a soft in a tap tap dance sort of way or a log over a log over another log and to sort of be able to do a, a soft shoe from log to log. But the idea of trying to get showbiz tropes into um, a wood setting was something mm. that I played with in my head. And because uh, um, there are parts of Into the Woods that people have not really explored that that vaudeville, the vaudeville of it all. And, um, um, you know, some of those, a lot of the songs are, are vintage Sondheim, but some of them are real pastiches. Yeah. Of, numbers uh and to sort of bring down the flashing lights and the and the little drop curtain and stuff and let let a vaudeville be a vaudeville would be a would be a great thing to see i would i would cheer that well this sounds like a bob fossey into the woods i'm <laughs> it ready be, for it it could totally be that or at least at least a tribute to broadway you know yeah. it's colors yeah it's funny in some ways it seems like maybe if subsequent productions move further and further away from that um yeah i think that's it. true I think that's true, um, and and that's okay. It's amazing to me that of all of his shows, that's the show that is like 
every every high school, every elementary school, every summer camp, yeah, into the woods, and that that uh, I'm gobsmacked by because I think the singing the songs are really really challenging. Yeah, yet, I mean, do it. Anyone can whistle. That's easy singing. You know, <laughs> a bunch of townspeople running around. Um, but for it to be this one, that's uh, that's the one all the all the you know Gen Z and millennials know is because yeah. of, that's phenomenal to me. That's shocking. Well, it's like it's funny how like public consciousness can be so like short attention span because it's like merely the fact that it's about these familiar fairy tale characters. If you ask a second question, no, 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 it's very dark. It's very twisted. It's complicated. You might not like it. But if you're just going at face value, it seems accessible more than other shows. It's like the IP, God help us. <laughs> yeah. is that, and and also, you know, all the, the schools just do the first act. So that's right. Yeah. Into the Woods Junior. Well, and also <laughs> that the the original production was captured so exquisitely um, with James Lapine directing the cameras to to get yes. it, you know, yes. really kind of preserved in its uh, most pure original form. How do you feel that the physical production translates on that video? Mm. Um, I haven't watched it in a long time, honestly. Uh, the um, the technology of 1980s video is so, you know, humble compared to what we're used to now. And it's, yeah. it's no Hamilton, you know, no. recording. Um, but um, I think one thing that that I remember being bugged by was the, performances were were still geared towards a Broadway audience and hitting mm. the balcony. So there was not, um, I didn't feel like, uh, Joanne Gleason, yes, but I didn't feel like this subtlest, it, it, it felt a little too uh, overtly um, Broadway acting mm -hmm. wise, um, which you can't get away with because those people were doing their performances eight, yeah. eight days a week. Um, but I think later videos have started to be sensitive to just for the video, let's take it down. Yeah. You know, instead of a 10 um but it's still amazing to sort of get those performances recorded the sets um the lighting never was right for a video yeah. <laughs> so you never knew what was back there you saw this sort of murkiness until the brightest scenes but what are there four bright scenes and all of into the woods and the rest is murky so so it was not it was not friendly to sort of showing the the magic of tony Strange's mm. work um but um but that's okay i mean Look, the fact that there's a, a an actual record of, uh, of 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 Sweeney Todd with Angela Lansbury is amazing. But oh, how heartbroken I am that they shot it on the tour, which doesn't have the giant foundry. Yeah, set pieces. So it's like, yes, you have a record, but if only you knew what the Eurus yeah. Theater actually had. If only you saw the original in New York, you would you would see the difference. Can you say more about when we watched the video of Into the Woods, what we're missing that was oh. there in that original production? Well, um, the the um, those those sets lit the way they were intended to be lit on on a Broadway stage. You could get all that nuance in a low level of lighting as a spectator, as a as a theater viewer, and um, you could also see. Bernadette Peters singing in the foreground and still see all the dappled light in the trees overhead, you know, mm. 20 feet higher. Um, but on TV, uh, uh, the range of lighting is, is unforgiving. So you're not, so what's, what's half lit is it looks dark on the screen. And also um, 
you can't quite see Bernadette Peters in close up and see the dappled light through the trees in the same shot, unless you're, you know, dissolving constantly or something. So, so um, that, that, you know, 36 foot by 20 foot image that you get as a spectator sitting in a Broadway house, there's no getting that in the TV screen. And um, obviously you want to know what their faces are doing. You want to understand the words. So you want to see the performances close up. Um, but then you never, you never sort of see what the rest of the world is around them. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I sort of want both. I'm really greedy. So, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's only it, I mean, I think they did have some wide shots and, and bless their hearts when the, uh, when the Rapunzel's tower rises, you know, spinning out of the ground, um, it's a nice wide shot and and it's like as surprising as it was when we saw it on stage so so those things work work beautifully and and applause that they that they shot it <laughs> wow well i really appreciate that input um and all of this it's so it's so great to hear from you and i'm wondering who did you have you spoken to any other of of uh, tony's assistants I don't even know if Tony is still with us. Is Tony straight? He is still with us, but I, I have not been able to get a hold of him to do uh, an interview. But uh, if there's anyone else you think from that side that I should reach out to, I would love your input. I can't remember who. I mean, like I say, there I was on my drafting table with my little parallel rule and my T squares yeah. and my, my flex curves and stuff. Um, drafting my little thing. And I remember I would leave my drafting pa pages at night and Tony would have 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 noted th this or that on them in the morning, which is always what you want because he lived there, you know, twenty four hours. But um, I can't remember who was next to me. I can't remember who was at the next table. And I do remember this: the mad um, factory of the model makers um, with these weird materials and stuff, and and you know, spray mm. starts, spray smells, and everything. But um, I I was racking my brain and I honestly have no clue who else. I mean, I can tell you the associate set designer was Richard Jarris. I'm sorry to say Not, that. Okay, and the uh, assistants to Mr. Strages were Steve Rundle, Joel Reynolds, no, um, uh, you, uh, James Sandifer. Oh, James Sandifer, I yeah. actually knew um he he's done some great sets as a set designer yeah oh, that's good to know. and linda lee burks means nothing i know but james and linda were billed after you so maybe they were only there for one week <laughs> <laughs> james sandifer i know you can get uh he he, he would be in the in uh i suppose he's in 829 but mm -hmm. he's he's certainly in 800 um uh and uh he would certainly be somebody who he i feeling he was more um he had more history with with Tony than I did so well this this still has been wonderful so i really i really thank you thank you for listening to giants in the sky how sondheim and lapine went into the woods on the broadway podcast network look out for episode 37 with ben wright the original jack Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 